Well, hey everyone, welcome back to Tales of Recovery. This is your host, Gris Alves, and my guest today, again, is my dear friend, Mimi Young. And we're going to continue with our four-part series of Befriending Aging. Some of you have already met Mimi, heard her. She's been on the podcast a couple of times, amazing artist, healer, beautiful human being that I have had the honor to learn from and just have a friendship with. So thank you so much, Mimi, for joining us today again. Mm, I'm always so, so happy to be back. Thank you. Yes. So I was telling Mimi that when I started uh, one of your mentorships a couple of years ago, I don't even remember how long you recommended the book called The Cosmic Mother. And it was the most transformational book because as I was reading it, and it talks about, and I'll let you tell us what it talks about because you probably know it better than I do. But it was so confirming to me that I have known these things for so long that um, some of what the patriarchal or toxic religions or the systems that we've been raised in really oppress the wisdom of growing older, of allowing self-acceptance and self-love for our bodies and for the way that life goes, the process of life. Because I feel like what we've been doing or what I've been taught to do and what I saw from my grandmother and my mother and my aunts is to really fight the age thing. I don't want to be old. I want to look like I'm 17 forever. And, you know, always this perfectionism. And, and then when it's time to get a wrinkle or when it's time to die, it's like, oh my, like no one's ready for it. And so this, this history that we, a lot of us have been robbed of, um, that I found in that book and through your teachings was phenomenal. So I'm very grateful for that. And that's what I want you to talk to us about. Like, what is your take on this culture that tells us that you have to get another facelift, another facelift, and you have to keep up with, you know, the Joneses looking 12 years old and this ridiculousness that really is holding us back from, from, from a soft, enjoyable life, mm. which is kind of what we, that's what I want, you know? Um, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> mm, I love how you said a soft and enjoyable life. It's, it's true. I feel that the kind of lives that, we are taught that we are supposed to live it's it has hardened us and has made us brittle and um we've lost any type of elasticity and you know resilience ultimately yeah i mean it's interesting so for folks who haven't read uh the book the cosmic mother um, it's been a long time since i've read it i believe and correct me if i'm wrong i believe it's written by barbara moore um yeah yeah it's it's true that there's actually another author I think she um was part I I think she had co-written the maybe the intro um and she had supplied some art through the pages um so forgive me that I don't have the complete name um okay I just went and got it okay awesome (laughs) yeah I'll let you read yeah yeah the Great Cosmic Mother, Rediscovering the Religion of the Earth by Monica Xu and Barbara Moore. So, yeah. Okay. Amazing. Um, and, and yeah, so this book really does intersect many things. And, and one thing that, uh, you know, obviously resonated with you is this idea that um, the youth 
and the youth phase of life and of nature is what's prioritized. And we can link this to, let's say, industrialization and capitalism, because the spring and the summer are viewed as the most productive seasons. Um, and, you know, the fall and the winter are a little less desirable. And you could also parallel that to a woman's body, how it's the spring and the summer phases of a woman that is deemed um, of value. And when she enters into her autumn and her winter, she is seen as a number of things that patriarchy invented, either you know, the crazy woman or the hysterical woman or the old woman that lives by herself with a hundred cats or whatever, all these cliches that are actually not even really true. And so we, even as um, women, we have now feared that idea of being uh, the old woman. And we, we now fear the idea of being the old woman because we know that she's not valued by society. We know that she becomes invisible. We know that she's seen as let's say crazy or um, angry or um, essentially uh, no longer part of the, the regular conversation of being uh, women. And I don't know about you, but I even feel it within uh, like when I'm speaking with other women, you know, I, I hear it when I, you know, as, like with, let's say aunts and uh, sorry, aunts and, and mother and, and so forth, this idea that, uh, there's there's a lot of critique about our bodies as we age, yeah. right? Like there's mm-hmm. this idea that we don't are we, even though you and I were just like, oh yeah, let's have soft lives, but it's like no, it's it's not something that we are encouraged to have soft bodies. That we want to have nice toned, hard, muscular bodies, not too muscular because then that would be seen as something that's also no longer being a woman, right? Like, I mean, there's all these conditions associated with it, but also this idea of not to age because aging means you're no longer beautiful. And if you're, you know, you know, the, the the concept of beauty being what's deemed as what a a woman needs to uh, present to the world, because that is supposedly (laughs) what is um, valuable, um, yeah, I have a lot to say. I have a lot to say about this. I have a yeah. question for you. Go ahead, go ahead. So I, I'm sure that there's folks that are listening that understand completely what you and I are talking about. This idea that we should, I say this with air quotes, we should be gentle and kind to ourselves when we start sagging and softening and having lines and graying and and so forth. And yet we all notice these things when we look in the mirror and we all have feelings towards it. Oftentimes a little bit of fear or irritation, and then you beat yourself up because internally, at least for me, I mean, I, this is what I hear in my mind. Mimi, you're being a bad feminist. You're being a bad feminist for noticing that you have gray hairs. <laughs> you're being a bad feminist for noticing and caring that you have a wrinkle. And then so I have, it's a very complicated it's internal complicated. dialogue, right? Like it's like, I, I realize that I, I want to embrace aging. And yet I shame myself when I notice that I'm aging. I shame myself when I feel the urge to pull a gray hair out of my head 
Because there's that voice that's also saying, as a woman, you shouldn't be ashamed. Because now, as in this era of being feminist, you know, like, man, Mimi, you really suck at being a feminist. (laughs) (laughs) It's that perfectionism. Right? right? Like, it's also Mm -hmm. kind of a patriarchal concept of shaming oneself, no matter which choice I make. And I think that's my question. Do you feel that? (laughs) I do. And I'm glad you brought that up. Because, I mean, I'm definitely not you know, putting these podcasts out because I have befriending aging down, you know, it's like a constant struggle. Um, One of the things that I, um, that I deeply care about is the inner, the inner aging, right? Like the inner knowing of, okay, this is a wisdom. And now I have more time here on this planet than maybe other people. And I can give my experience to younger gals and I can hold other women that are not, you know, in their 50s yet. But I do know that it's like a, it's like an expansion, right? It it doesn't all of a sudden, oh, I don't mind having gray hair. I mean, I have friends that have been like, that's it, going gray, and they look amazing, and it took forever. I'm still like, well, I don't, I can't, I'm gonna go, I mean, I'm getting my hair done tomorrow, Thursday. (laughs) I am. So befriending Asian doesn't mean that I don't, that I still, you know, that I don't know about the gray yet, or that I'm, you know, I'm not going to put, like, I'm not going to stop practicing Ashtanga yoga just because I'm older. I mean, I think, I don't think it has to be one way or the other 100% right away. It's something that we're growing and stepping into. Um, and then, but I like the point that you bring out about not shaming myself for, oh, you're talking about befriending aging and now you're going to go do your hair. Well, so what? I can still be, you know, I can still look cute. Beauty is something, you know, I always have been kind of extravagant and pink and purple hair. And, you know, if I want to do my hair, that's fine. I think it's how we tie it into really our essence and the, and the, the way we move in our life without these things holding us captive. Mm-hmm. Um. So it doesn't have to be an extreme of like, you know, but I do see one of the things that I saw that was really sad for me was my mom, you know, she was, you know, like in her last six months of life, she would look in the mirror and say, oh my God, look at these wrinkles. This is horrible. And I'd be like, mom, but you know, you're 75, you made it this far and you're beautiful. Mm -hmm. I can, because eventually I don't think there's going to be enough Botox to not have wrinkles and I am not getting surgery. And so eventually, because my mom never, never, never got a facelift. But her mother got like three or four of them, you know, and other people in her family and her friends. She was just not about it. And it was a good example for me. But also she was doing what you were saying. I'm not going to do that because it's ridiculous. And I'm, but I'm also over here freaking out and looking in the mirror with all these wrinkles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was mm-hmm. And she could barely talk towards the end and my sister would come and give her little kisses and she could barely talk and she'd look at my sister and look at her eyes and tell her, you know, there's a little cream that you can put in your eyes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, the programming, you know, it's like. I, yeah, that's it. It's the, the immense brainwashing that we all have in, been indoctrinated with it's it's in yeah it's very thorough it's in us so deeply so it's it's like how do we which is why i love the 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 history 
of these um, these religions of the earth, right? These matriarchal religions, these connection to the elements and to to the earth and to the water, and because that brings us more into who we really are, which is a seed, like a tree. Like, come on, mm-hmm. what are we mm-hmm. thinking? We are these, like, you know, rock stars um, that are invincible that are never mm-hmm. going to go back into the earth, and so. I guess utilizing this history and you talk a lot about like the maiden, the mother, and then the crumb mm-hmm. and how we have forgotten. I mean, I have 25 year old friends that don't even know what a crumb is. Wow. You don't know what a crumb is? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm almost, I'm kind of a crone. So you kind of know me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you're looking at a baby crone. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, what if, like, I don't know, what do you think about that? When did that end or what happened? Yeah, I I mean, I think it, it took, it was a systematic and it was, you know, it was a process that shifted that land-based living where we were students of the earth and somehow this idea of a science and a normative one way of thinking uh, wound up replacing that and it killed diversity. It killed, you know, as in diversity of seasons, right? Like it going back to like the forest. And um, if we're discussing like Chinese esoteric practice is actually five seasons, but regardless, whatever, how many seasons there's more than one season um, and there's more than one truth. And somehow along the way, there's the something was implanted and replaced uh, that that other way of thinking that land based thinking that there's one truth there's um, and that truth is called objectivity right and or maybe it's called science or maybe it's called uh, the church I don't know um, it, it differs a little bit and they're kind yeah. of all the same um, at the same time mm-hmm. and and that's when I feel when we really lost touch and yeah so for me. I oftentimes remind myself the best way to heal the ageism that I carry within because it's been, I mean, we drank the water from yeah. everywhere, really it's, it's everywhere, but it's to, to become a student of, of the earth again, to, to really be, open to what the earth has to say. And I, I feel like you know, one key example is to see that there's so many different forms of beauty. Like it's not like roses are not the only beautiful flower that exists. There's so many different types of gorgeous flowers and not all things that are beautiful are, are flowers. Some of them are grasses. Some of them are, are shrubs. Some of them are trees and some of them are just rocks. Like they're not even plants and they're all beautiful and they all carry a resonance um, and a medicine that is uniquely them. And so why do I obsess about having to look like the rose that is the one idealized form of beauty, you know, eternally spring, eternally skinny, eternally, you know, with dark hair, let's say, or, or like not needing to color hair and such. I'm not coloring my hair, but I'm just saying the, all these things. It's just like, I, I feel being a student of the earth is a way to help me really regain and remember the the original perspective yeah and i think we were talking about this before we began the recording but there's such a, a craving now for people to go back into ancestors and who is my who are my ancestors and whereas before nobody wanted to be 
mm-hmm. you know, a native. Everyone wanted to be, no, I'm from Europe and I'm from England. And, I'm, and now everyone's like, no, I want my roots. I really want to be a native. Where am I really from? And everything goes back to these land-based, you know, cultures. And I think that part of that longing is the shift that we're hopefully getting into. I think we are getting into it. Even though it seems overwhelming with everything else, there is, I see, and maybe it's because of the circles that I'm at, you know, mostly healers and people seeking um, wellness and saving the planet and back to land-based living. But I do see a longing for people to come back to this because it's just the other way of living, non, non-befriending aging and the way that we're running is impossible. It is. To live a soft and enjoyable life. It's just, it's driving everyone crazy. People are committing suicide. Everyone's on antidepressants, tons and tons of pain medication overdoses. I mean, it's like, what's going on? You know, and so I think part of that, which is why the work you do is so important. And I'm so glad you're here sharing with us because you do bring us back to, you know, the plants. Every time I see a plant, I think of you. I'm like, okay, mm. now, now I talk to my plants. I mean, I did before when I was a kid, but then you kind of get caught up in this and forget about it. And now it's like, you know, you told me that my plant was the sacred, the Tulsi and I have like this huge bush of Tulsi growing outside now. And it's the one that doesn't even need much care. It's just like huge. You know, I make my lotions with it and it's just so it doesn't have to be extreme, I guess, you know, little by little, we can move back into this. Um, I mean, how is it for you? Like, how does your mom model or your grandparents walking into this or out of this oppression? I'm not quite sure if they're walking out of it, <laughs> in all <laughs> honesty. Um, and I, I think part of it is because, I mean, it's hard to say because I'm, I'm not them. Right. But from the outside looking in, I, I do see, um, like I'm thinking about my mother, she, she does still put an immense amount of emphasis on her skin um and it's difficult to tell if she's caring for her skin or if she's worried about her skin um it's it's hard to say uh and yeah and and, you know and I I see I think about how I was brought up um and this is actually not just aging this is this idea of um, a woman's body yeah. and all the very different um, overlapping conversations about a woman's body. Um, you know, I, I was really taught to, uh, to hide my body um, growing up. Um, I think she was just really, really worried that, because I mean, the thing she told me when I got my period for the very first time was now you better not do anything stupid with boys. That was the one thing. Like, that was my <laughs> Menage celebration, supposedly. Like, I mean, there was no, like, welcoming oh, no. into womanhood and all these sorts of things. It was like, now don't do anything stupid with boys. And um, and she was always actually the kind of person who encouraged me to wear clothes that were Black. Because she felt that if I wore anything that was too 
eye-catching that I, I might once again get into trouble with boys, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, um, and I, I don't want to paint her as someone who is really oppressive um, simply because, I mean, she came from that same, same place, right? Where, um, yeah, and, and I feel like I, I was really disso- disassociated from my body for a long time because for some reason, I just, I became terrified of it and I viewed it as something that was potentially very dangerous. I couldn't trust it. Um, and I didn't even understand that my body is actually not even it, a body, my body is a her, my body is, is me. I am my body. Like yeah. I, I am not a, I'm not me without my body. Um, and that's the other piece is because she came from, um, a, a religion that taught that the body was dirty and that your soul is what's good and your soul is what remains after you die. So, which all already is teaching disassociation. So it took a long time for me to be like, oh, wow, this is, this is my body and my body, I am my body and my body is me and my body does carry intelligence and my body is connected to um, much more ancient information than I give her credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, even though on some hands, like on the other hand, we did, like, I mean, growing up, we always talked about ancestors because that was just kind of the home that we grew up in. And yet that piece of when your body dies, your soul lives on and, um, you know, and it's spirit and the, the soul that we need to focus on, not on the body. And yet at the same time, there was the fear of wrinkles, right? Like, I mean, it was just very confusing. It still <laughs> is. <laughs> it still is. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, that's so interesting. Cause we, my mom, the same, like I remember getting my period and she, I didn't get any of these like, oh, we're going to welcome you into womanhood and everyone coming to the tent and you're now, you know, like a rite of passage and honoring it. No, it was like, I mean, she didn't even say anything. She called, I don't know, we were in my grandmother's house and she said someone to get me some pads from the store. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, don't tell me. It was just, she was completely like separating herself from it. No, like she was so disconnected herself Mm -hmm. from her body that she just didn't have the tools to embrace me and the connection that I was now going to have to mine. And, you know, even though I have a daughter and I've tried to do different and explain to her, there's so many things that trickle down. So there is a lot of work to be done in deprogramming in remembering and connecting to our bodies. Um, and also, I mean, the other thing I always think about is it's inevitable. There's going to be wrinkles eventually. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it is biologically impossible to stay a certain age forever. And it's also, I feel I have so much sorrow for something I saw about, I don't know, a couple months ago that I was, you know, I was thinking about this series and I'm like, this is important. I really want to talk about this. I, and it's really for me, right? I want to be able to be a wise elder that isn't having, you know, I think what brought this up is that I had a surgery and I had my implants removed. These implants that I put on 16, 17 years ago when my mindset was way different. And now I'm like, Mm. why can the fuck did I ever do that? Mm. But whatever, you know, it was just, Mm -hmm. that's where Mm -hmm. I was at. And this is where I'm now, wiser, Mm -hmm. hopefully, and healthier now. I feel great. 
Mm. And part of that is like, what was I doing? And it's gotten me thinking about so much surgery because as I was waiting for my doctor to do my checkup, he, first of all, couldn't believe I just wanted explants. He was like, well, let's put in some new ones. I'm like, I don't want anything foreign in my body. I just, no, just whatever. Just make him healthy. I don't care. And people coming and going into his surgery office, young women, older women, faces swollen. I was like, oh, I, I can't believe this is like, it's such a big business. And then I find on Instagram, Madonna of all people, who looks like an alien now. Mm. I, saw her, I was like, what? She pulled her face like she had surgery and she doesn't even look like Madonna anymore. And it was so disappointing for me. I mean, I know it's Madonna. I know she's in Hollywood and I know she's into this thing. But honestly, dude, I grew up with that chick and I loved her. Mm. I was like, yeah, go Madonna, bass, you do what the fuck you want. You know, she went in and did not care about, I mean, I don't know her personally, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought I did. I had dreams that I did back in the 80s. But now I was like, dude, you have so much influence. You could be riding the wave of allowing other women that it's okay to get older. But now she's like, I can share. They just do not look real. You know, mm. how can you be 75 years old and have that kind of skin? And so this is kind of the confusing thing that, you know, and, and we're, we're old enough to kind of begin to understand it. But I see these 14, 15, 16, 18 year old girls that are like, getting all of these facelifts and fillers and this and that. My daughter lives in LA and she's like, mom, everyone goes to these places and they all want to look like, they all look the same. And so I don't know, I guess this is just kind of my urgency with this. Like what in the hell, who are we looking up to for this type of, and it's not that you look up to her, but it's like, that's who's, that's who's out there. So I'm trying to find right. some people that are, you know, befriending aging and, you know, there is one chick called my wrinkles on my scars. Who's actually like, she's a really, she's very stylish, um, but she just embraces her gray hair and these amazing wrinkles. And again, I don't know her personally. I don't know how her heart is. And maybe Madonna's amazing spiritually and doesn't give a fuck about wrinkles, but that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> I'm more about the land based living old school elders at that we that I want to become. Yeah, I find that it's it's also confusing because I feel that a woman is criticized no matter what choice she makes. You know, she's criticized if she lets her hair go gray, and she's criticized if she, you know, if she gets interventions. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I mean, really, like, I mean, in in theory, yeah, like, I mean, Madonna can do whatever hell she wants. And yet I know what you mean because we, at least like our, like our age, like we, we really, really looked up to her growing up and we felt that she did so much in some aspects. And then I guess deep, deep down we're we're craving someone, if not her, someone else maybe to set the mm-hmm. tone and be a bad, badass in a different way. Maybe not a badass sexually, because I feel like a lot of progress has been made there terms of expression um and just the freedoms to to a degree i mean i don't think we're really there completely yet but but yeah like we are craving for someone to sort of come in and say guns a blazing and say no 
I'm, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to be pro aging, not anti-aging. I'm going to be pro aging. I, or, you know, these, these things here that are like wrinkly, they're actually called experiences. They're not called wrinkles. Like I, I, I need someone to say that. And yet I, there's a handful sort of on IG. I don't remember their actual profile names that are sort of doing that. And yet they're still kind of keeping within the normative because maybe they have gray hair, but they also have an incredibly fit body that if they're, if the photograph was cropping their face off, they would pass for someone who was 35 years old. So there's still a piece where it's like, no, but actually that, that part is not even totally sustainable, even though they have gray hair. Um, So I I don't know. I mean, and maybe, maybe the listeners know someone that they can share, but even then is one person enough. Like we need a revolution. We need a lot of us, right? Because you can't just say one person because that's placing a very unbearable demand on one human being. And I guarantee that person also is struggling internally because it's impossible not to struggle. I mean, I don't know one woman who doesn't have an issue with one part of her body, at least one part of her body, usually more. Um, I don't know one. And so I, I do think part of it is ultimately we have to be willing to a talk about it because when we talk about it, the silence is not keeping us in shame. And there's a freedom to discussion, a freedom to vocalize and say, hey, like, this is a legit thing that I go through. Um, and I feel that if enough of us talk about it and the, the people at the right places, I feel that schools have to talk about this because children are shaped by so by, by school. They spend like six fucking hours a day there five days a week for the Mm -hmm. most part. And to think just like, I feel that schools need to do better on um, any type of um, bias, like bias-based perceptions and bias-based decision-making, which of course, not only includes racism, but ableism and, you know, sexism and careerism, even eventually, and all these sorts of things. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like it, it has to be something that's done collectively, but I, I do think it has to start from grassroots because how else is it going to start? Cause there's so much at stake. Like think about Clairol, like, you know, like I'm thinking about Clairol because that's what I grew up with watching all those commercials and watching all those ads and magazines, mm-hmm. like those little, you know, hair dye in a box. Like there's a huge consequence if there was enough disruption. If enough women said, you know, I don't really want to do this anymore. I don't really want to color my hair anymore. And not to say there's anything wrong with coloring my hair, but I'm just saying that if there was a movement towards that, there's some economic repercussions. And I think that's why it's designed to kind of where it works. You know, there has to be a pretty drastic change, but I think, I don't know, I can expect Madonna to change it. I think we all have to do a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't expect her. I was just like, when I saw her picture, I was blown away. Like, what? Mm -hmm, I don't really mm -hmm. follow her all the time. So it was like, wait a minute. That was like insane. I mean, and I showed my daughter, my daughter's like, oh, she looks great. I'm like, wait, but you, you know, you don't know how she used to look before. Mm -hmm. She was beautiful. She always has Mm -hmm. been, I thought she was. Mm -hmm, Totally. So, but yeah, and I don't, you know, I guess I don't. You're right. It's like this whole savior thing, right? Like somebody come and save us. 
so sorry, Madonna, you know. Oh, no, no. I I know what you're saying. I wasn't trying to shame you. I was just like, no, because we all think this way. And it's so so complicated. And we're like, you know, we should. It's going back to the I'm being a bad feminist thing. But it's like, is there such thing as a good feminist? I don't know. No. And it's also it's also like the resources, right? Like you have you might have a ton of money to be able to do that surgery and you might not. So you're befriending aging a little bit faster than somebody who has the resources to go get a facelift, you know, Mm -hmm. for all these things in their face. But um, I think, you know, I mean, I I guess doing this, I'm committing to befriending aging and still owning like my power, my strength that I would like, you know, that I love dressing up and fixing my hair or whatever. Um, But to honor the wisdom of it, Right? Beyond beauty standards and L'Oreal and Clairol and all these absurd, you know, expectations of what we're supposed to look like and the horror that those expectations cause for so mm-hmm. many of us, you know, mm-hmm. I for sure have an eating disorder. I mean, or had, I mean, on and off and now I've been working for 20 years on eating because I love my body, not because oh, that's going to make me fat, or that's going to make me sick, you know? So I'm very aware of how I have been affected by this. And so beyond that, it's like finding, I guess, the the beauty, the art in these ancient traditions, coming back to like the great cosmic mother. Like, what did it mean to be a maid? And then what did it mean to be a mother? And then what did it mean to be a crown? And what you said in the beginning is, can we be held in these three stages of life by other women instead of criticized or not allowed in because you don't look a certain way. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, And that happens too, right? Like it's, it's, um, I see this in spiritual circles, how it's only like you kind of have to have the right look or you have to, you need that, you need the right ticket to entrance. Um, it certainly has happened to me where I show up to like a, a quote unquote sister circle. And, you know, I made the mistake of wearing leather. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's like stuff like that. And it's like, okay, we can talk about that. We, we can. Um, and then yet there's this other piece where it's like, I like where, where's, where's the, like, it's, it, it can be these, some of these spiritual circles can be incredibly judgmental. Um, and totally not uh doing what they say they do um yeah okay I want to talk about something else too because I think this part is actually also important in terms of befriending age aging um it's and and I say this because you have a son and I have two sons Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but I actually think it's really important to raise uh all children, not just daughters, but all children to befriend aging so that they, my boys, when they grow up to be men, are not viewing the world and viewing a woman's worth through her body and through her age and through how she looks in relative to her numerical age. Um, you know, I've, for instance, I've had to explain to my older son, my younger son's not at that age yet where I don't really talk about like, it's, it's, it's not, I kind of just listen to what they're saying. And then I sort of respond, but, you know, 
I pointed out how saying something like, well, she looks really good for a mom is like deeply, deeply harmful, right? Like, you know, um, and I, I feel that we can't expect, I mean, yes, this is obviously befriending aging is going to have to be spearheaded by women, but for it to really change, the men have to get on board too. Um, you know, and I feel like boys have to be the ones that get on board because those are the ones that we have more influence over than men, than grown men as, as parents. parents. And and I feel it's an immense responsibility for me to raise feminist boys. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, It was, it was intense with when my mom, so my mom was always, you know, she never got any faces, but she was always like, she would get up super early, put on her makeup, look stunning, whatever. I mean, she was always very, very stylish. And when she had the stroke, like one day to the next, she was like, ugh, the hell with it. She was in pajamas, her hair was sticking up, no more makeup. And we had to like really, really like make her do it a couple of times to, to just dress up to go to whatever event. She didn't go to that many after the stroke, but during those two years, it was a deterioration, deterioration. And my son witnessed all of it. And, you know, they didn't want to go and be like, no, we're going. We're going to witness your abu, your grandmother, um, however she's at, with wrinkles, you know, and just like laying around in the bed. And um, towards the end, she even lost her teeth. Mm-hmm. And I kept bringing them and bringing them and bringing them. And, that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like a death doula. So I did, I focused it more on like, this is what happens when we're dying. It's okay. It's okay. But yes, to bring that back into even a younger age, because it's one thing to accept when there's a little older lady or an older man or an older person that's leaving. Oh, okay, they're dying. They had their life. They're old. If you're in contact with death in that way, which is sacred to me. But, but yes, so I do, I do hear you as a, in the challenge to teach him even at my age, you know, I hate it when they see that. What the, the MILF? Oh my God, right? Like, ugh, yeah. Oh, fuck yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Like, it's like, and, and yet it's, they're just drinking the same soup, right? They're drinking that same Kool Aid. Um, and yeah, it's, so it's, there's, there's the culture of, of whatever TikTok or whatever stuff that they consume. There's a culture of their peers. And then here's me, mom, um, (laughs) trying to, (laughs) trying to say something about what it means to be a woman and that intersection with aging, that intersection with, um, size the the intersection of like I mean just so many things um but and and I shouldn't say that I don't talk about those things with my six-year-old because they do but just it wasn't about that specific comment you know the you know she looks good for a mom kind of thing um and uh and actually it wasn't even my older son that said that it's it was it was a peer of his and later on that evening, I just sort of pulled him gently aside and I said, I, I kind of want to talk about that, but I didn't know if it, it was appropriate to talk about it when it went, you know, and like single that, that one child out. And so I just thought, I'm not going to say anything then. And I, so I talked about it later and I sort of walked my son through 
um, just the understanding of why a, a, a word like that or an expression like that, you know, MILF or whatever, um, can be harmful, um, even though they didn't intend it that way. Like they think they're complimenting. And yet I, I see grown men doing the same thing. And in fact, I've actually had women say those things. No, and women taking it in, like, I mean, to be honest, if somebody tells me, oh, you look great for a mom, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. You know, without even realizing you're already taking the compliment as, oh, yeah. you look younger. Um, and, I, you know, part of it could also be because it's good to be alive and it's good to have strength. Mm-hmm. And I like living in this on this planet, hugging my kids and my husband and my friends and laughing and eating the food. You know, this sensory experience of being a human, the human experience is kind of cool. Um, so it could be something of wanting to grasp onto this as long as we can. So I, yeah. I, I'm guessing part of befriending aging is also doing the work of unattachment and beginning this process of understanding that this isn't going to last forever, which is right. so hard because that is some deep internal work that not many really want to go do. Everyone's like, no, 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 hold the time, hold the time. I want to be 12 forever. Right. And as if looking good is going to avoid that. Maybe that's part of the problem. I feel that we don't, as as a collective, that we're being fed through Vogue or um, maybe not Vogue. I mean, I don't even like, like, I just mean the fashion and the beauty and Mm. the media that is the channel to perpetuate fashion and beauty. I think there's a lot more options now, a lot more than before, way more certainly than, you know, in the eighties. However, with that said, I also feel that there's still, I feel the ageism is the one thing that hasn't really been widely embraced I don't I really don't see that many campaigns with older women um, and older men and older um, people in general like I mean really it's like I I, I don't see that much um, and I wish and I you know and so maybe it's it's just about having to demand that more um, and I mean I don't really engage so much on on those media like those those specific channels anyway um, I am actually someone who like I because the thing is and the, the reason I say this is that if we are fed a standard of beauty then we wind up develop, developing a palette for that that beauty and that's why right. I really think sometimes we have a you know we develop a palette for a trend um, because that's all we see it and then all of a sudden it grows on us or whatever so what I would love to see is more examples of what aging looks like yeah. and for it to not be called the older woman doing a photo shoot. Like she's just a woman. Yeah. She doesn't have to be called an older woman, just like how you don't have to be called like, you know, that whole, like, you know, beautiful for a mom, like what? So when a mom becomes, when a woman becomes, a, when a person becomes a parent, they no longer can look beautiful. And then there's also this other innuendo of the older you are, the more sacrificing you are. Look at this idea, or maybe like, you know, when you become a mother, you become sacrificing. So therefore you can't possibly be beautiful and a mother, because if you're a beautiful mother, that must mean you spend a lot of time in front of the mirror. And if you spend a lot of time in front of the mirror, you must be really negligent of your children. So the vain mother is a bad mother. Do you see how there's a weird, like, 
innuendos and it's like so fucked up like it's just like so it's it's kind of like if you're too beautiful as a mother if you're too hot as a mother then that's like actually a bad mother like what the fuck anyway (laughs) so much violence yes it is it is so violent yeah and it's um it's uh it's funny how like you're mentioning that and I'm like oh yeah that is how people think and then whoever isn't doing that, and a lot of times I feel like, well, you're just criticizing that mom. Like I'll have friends call me and be like, can you believe what this woman is posting? And she looks like this and she's working out and where are her kids? Exactly what you just said. Always the First, where are the kids? Like what? That is so <laughs> violent. And it's also like, first of all, I'm following her. Second of all, why are you criticizing her? She's got her shit together. She's putting it out. Or at least it seems like it. Who cares? Um, so releasing that part of it too, like the, you know, that judgment mm-hmm. of others, if, if they're doing well, if they're whatever, we're not doing well, but pretending, you know, um, because I think we're all struggling. I mean, some of us maybe doing, have put in a bit more work than others, have a little more practice in being soft, but in general, everyone's struggling. Um, but yeah, that whole vicious cycle of like well i'm going to judge everything that everyone else is doing and then judge myself yeah i think that's what what it comes down to is this befriending aging thing is ahimsa like non-violence can we stop being so violent and maybe this isn't like a huge catapult for some amazing movement but us like whoever's listening to you whoever's listening to me whoever we're around with we can begin at least to befriend aging ourselves and to know. I mean, I loved, loved, loved being in your class when you were talking about the crone and the wisdom of, you know, and it's mm. been cooking for so many more years and creating medicines for so many more years. And it's had so much experience. You know, they laugh at some of the troubles that maybe like a younger might have, maybe not laugh at her, but like they know. Yeah, they, yeah, it's like a soft chuckle, right? Yeah. Like, cause they've been there. They, they yeah. have been there. One thing I've realized about judging, you know, when I catch myself judging, and of course we all do this, what it is, like, I'm going to go back to the example of, oh my gosh, like, whoa, like, how can she look that way? <laughs> Where are the children? Let's say, Let, let's just say, <laughs> yeah, let's just use that as an example. If, if yes. I were to catch myself having that judgment, I feel that the ju- judgments are really, they're, they're actually powerful tools if we learn how to befriend even the judgments yeah. and ask, why am I having this judgment? Oh, I'm having this judgment because I've internalized this arbitrary rule mm-hmm. that a woman needs to be this way. Okay, so it's actually not my issue with her. It's my own unhappiness that I have to obey this rule and I'm resentful that she is disobeying it. That's really what it is. Yes. I I mean, I really, I I should celebrate that she is brave enough to be like, fuck it. I am not going to obey that rule. And I admire her strength. I'm going to ask myself if I can also challenge that rule and be like, fuck it too. And join her. I'll put on the red lipstick with her together. Yes. I've been wearing a lot more red lipstick now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I used to not wear it because... Oh, you know, the little wrinkles is going to, but then they have these amazing ones that don't, that don't go all over the place. And now I'm like, and even if they do, 
who cares? I want to have yeah, fun. Exactly. And I don't want to obey the rules. So maybe that's what, you know, that's a great statement that you just said. And so instead of judging, can we just notice? Do you really like these rules? Don't obey them. They suck. <laughs> Who's <laughs> benefiting you? No one is. Well, I mean, that's what Golden would say. Some, some, some companies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah who benefits true. from my self clothing? This is her statement. Yeah. Clear all this. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, yeah, it is. It's all those companies that um, are marketing fear at us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. So how else do you teach your, your, your men children, like your boys about, I mean, besides just bringing up these conversations, like I'm wondering what would be better, you know, I suppose, tools or conversations to bring up with them about this. Hey, listen, these girls, I mean, I guess it's hard because my son's 16 years old. Like, what am I going to tell him? Like, like whoever you like, one day is going to have wrinkles and you, I don't want to even, you know, <laughs> leave her for the 12-year-old because you think, you know, the young is it's like, how do we, you know, come around besides them watching us? Because I feel like the best thing is, one of the best lessons I guess I've learned is it doesn't matter what I tell them. It's kind of the way that I'm living my life. So they mm-hmm. did see me care for my mom. Um, but, you know, they hear me going in the mirror like, oh, Lord, these gray hairs, I got to go get mm-hmm. my hair, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess it's just living. Um, I mean, living, maybe witnessing conversations you have with other women in passing, you know, like how, like maybe you're just sitting at the kitchen table, having coffee with a girlfriend and then they come in to get something, um, you know, that's in the same room where you already are. Maybe they they hear a little bit of that. Um, I think sometimes it's me having to share certain things in in front of them, but not to them, but more so with Mm. my partner so I'll say something to, to him, to, to my, uh, to my husband and, and then they hear it. Um, and it's almost like, you know, it's, it's almost like that becomes a lesson because they're hearing some type of discussion that's happening. Um, yeah, it, it, it really does take a village. It really, really does take a village. Um, and they don't want to hear it from me where like, I'm just pointing out every little thing that maybe is wrong with the world. Um, because I think for, it's easy for them to start thinking that I'm like a Karen mom, um, which I don't want to be obviously in their minds. Um, and then that, and then they wind up sort of dismissing, right? Like, cause if you, if you say too much, then it's, it's that, but I do also, yeah, but I also do think some things are worth like are worth actually saying aloud. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, I think, okay, this is not age. Maybe it's a little bit intersecting with ageism, but I do remember a little while ago, my older son said, mom, I love how you're cool. And I was like, what does that mean to you? Like when you use the word cool, what exactly are you saying? Cause I, I wasn't sure. 
And he's like, well, I like it how we can go thrifting together and, and like both find cool outfits. And I was like, oh, okay. So I guess it's the fashion piece like for him. And, and, you know, he enjoys thrifting as well. Um, and he's like, I also just really like your taste in music. And, and he's just like, yeah, a lot of moms from what my friends say, say that they don't really do those things. And so I don't think they think their mom's cool. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, Maybe that's another way to to talk about ageism by saying like, you know, I still like music. Like it's not like, you know, the minute your your babies are born, you do, you don't have taste in music anymore. Or like, you know, the minute your babies are born, you don't like thrifting anymore, or going shopping and and whatever. And it's just like like I yeah, I still care about fashion. I I see fashion as a way of self-expression. Thrifting, the additional piece of no longer contributing to consumption, like new consumption, I should say, like, you know, like from raw materials. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, like at at one point, he probably never actually saw the appeal of thrifting. um, But now he does. Not so much. I mean, I, he understands the value of it from an environmental perspective, but actually I think for him at this age, the age that he's at, I think he's more interested because he gets to wear something a bit more unique and he yeah. has something that, you know, other people can't find at the mall. Right. Um, I think that's why he likes it. And the perk on top of that is that there's an environmental benefit, but maybe eventually he'll really see the environmental benefit as the first reason of buying thrift or whatever. <laughs> but, but anyway, so maybe that is something too, is just, you know, being, um, and then, then they can see those things. And that can also be part of what it kind of comes back to what you talked about breaking the rules, right? Because yes, you don't have to stop liking good music just because now you have a baby. You don't have to now mm-hmm. just, you know, go to the museums and listen to classical music. I mean, that's <laughs> a thing that Right. I, <laughs> I also like classical, I should say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, But yeah, no, you're I right. Like totally. I remember a long time ago, I was in, um, we went to this festival in Ensenada. And my mother-in-law back then was probably, I don't know, I don't know how old she was, but definitely she was older than my, my sister-in-law and I. And she had these little ponytails, right? She made, she did her hair in these really cute little ponytails and she had her outfit and she's very spunky. She has a really cute sense of um, fashion and my sister-in-law was like oh my goodness I can't believe she's wearing those little ponytails at her age she shouldn't be doing those ponytails Mm. and I was like what are you talking about you can do ponytails till you're on your deathbed like what kind of a rule quote-unquote is that that makes you then an uncool parent or like a you know to say uncool parent but in reality to say somebody that's falling into these you know these cages of what you should and shouldn't be doing at particular ages. Yeah. You can't wear ponytails anymore. You can't wear jeans with little holes on them. You can't, you know, wear red lipstick if you're past right. a certain age <laughs> or going to a specific place because you might get in quote unquote trouble. Man, I see so many, so many women, especially Mexican women, still thinking those things. And it's like, what kind of cool it are you still drinking? It's 2021 already. But, but yeah, so I guess, I guess befriending aging means breaking some of these rules. <laughs> yeah, breaking the rules and really ultimately, I think it's like you said, because we can't stop aging. Befriending aging is just befriending yourself. 
in, in whatever season you're in and whatever stage of life you're in and, um, and enjoying each stage um, to its fullest, knowing that that, that season is going to pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Befriending yourself. As long as we're moving towards the direction of love, self-love first and honoring the stages, the seasons. One of the things that was very impactful for me was when my mom was, she was really sick and I knew, you know, we just have to care for her and pamper her. But her whole family was like, no, take her to the therapy, go to here, move her to that. Let's go to the show. And it was so overwhelming because I wanted to, you know, we'll do what everyone was telling me. And I'd go talk to her doctor and be like, they want my mom to go here and there and put on makeup and go to that concert and that show. And she's so tired. Like she doesn't want to do anything. Um, and so the doctors told me, listen, your mom is in a season now. She's already done and come and gone and gone to all these places and traveled. She's in the season of cuddling up in the bed mm. and taking little naps and eating chocolate and whatever she wants to eat. I'm already in that season. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Come on, cuddles and chocolate. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> May we have more seasons of yeah, cuddles yeah. and chocolate. <laughs> You know? that's yeah, so yeah. Cool. That's so wise, Mimi, because she, I guess, it, what, what the doctor was trying to tell me is like, just, you know, stop moving and going. But we, if we mm. can slow down and stop moving and going a little bit more before we're, you know, 85 years old, getting ready to die, it would be great because then we're befriending ourselves, we're slowing down, we're allowing the softness, we're not in this hustle to stay, you know hard and fit like Madonna in the 80s or whatever. So yeah, we're going to just have to befriend ourselves. Befriend ourselves indeed. And to maybe hold each other accountable. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you for, I don't know, for this juicy conversation, which was, you know, it's challenging. It's a challenging conversation. And so whoever is out there listening and this makes you think about it, let's, like Mimi said, hold each other accountable, support each other, notice when we're judging, check out if that judgment comes from trying to obey some dumbass rule that who's benefiting from that rule anyway. You know, friend ourselves, do the work and come back to land-based, as much as we can, land-based living, I suppose. Stay connected. Thank you, Mimi. Thank you so much for today. Yes, this is super fun. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, please share, subscribe, send us your input, and we'll see you guys next time on Tales of Recovery.